0: our hands all over this place this morning come on give him thanks today for his comfort for his peace for his protection for his abiding presence come on lift your hands folks are we here to worship come on let's lift our hands in this place and give him praise just say thank you to him today that he's promised his word says he'll never leave us or forsake us no matter where we may be, no matter what you may be going through or walking through today, He sees where you are. He knows where you are. And He is faithful. And He is good. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, today. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for Your abiding presence that never leaves us or forsakes us. Lord, today, as we turn our attention toward Your Word, we just pray today, God, that You'll speak to our hearts. Lord, you know every person who's here today. Lord, you know what they're facing. You know what they're going through. You know the trials and the the weight of what is in their hearts today. And Lord, as we open your word today, we just pray, God, that you would bring life. Lord, that you would speak encouragement, that you would speak truth today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what you do as your word goes forth. And that it would find deep roots that you would bring transformation as you speak to us today, and we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated, and as you're seated today, if you'll open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. If you have the Version Bible app, you can turn there this morning and follow along with the points and the scriptures today. This morning, we're beginning a new message series from Psalm 23, simply called... Psalm 23. I mean, you can't rename one of the best psalms in all the Bible. And uh, as you're turning there, we're going to read from the New King James this morning. When uh, when I asked Pastor Josh to come up with a graphic for me, and he showed me that this week, I kind of laughed. And he said, what are you laughing about? I said, man, that's a lot of sheep in that graphic. And he said, well, you got a lot of sheep right now, Pastor. And I said, okay, here we go. So let's look at Psalm 23 this morning. I'm going to read from the New King James version. and. Uh, I want you to read this with me. We're going to do this every week as we go through this, as we go through this psalm over the next few weeks. And I may read it from, from some different translations so it'll hear and feel a little bit different. But I want us to read this psalm aloud today. Okay, very familiar. Let's, let's read it out. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said, amen. Psalm 23 is the most quoted passage in all of the Bible. Now notice I didn't say the most quoted verse. John three sixteen retains that title. But as the most quoted Passage in all of scripture, Psalm 23 shows up in a variety of places, sometimes unexpected. There are lines of Psalm 23 that is used in popular music. You may have heard Psalm 23, the whole passage quoted from a movie or a a TV show, often when a character is facing a desperate situation or even death. Most commonly, we hear Psalm 23, it seems like, at a funeral. Or you'll see it engraved on a tombstone. But what if Psalm 23 was intended more for life than for death? What if these familiar words were meant to act as a guide for knowing God and recognizing that he guides us, leads us, protects us, and cares for us? Well, because this passage is so familiar and most of us probably have it memorized in our minds, it can be easy just to brush by it and and forget the, the context and the place from which this psalm came from. This is a psalm of David. David is the author of Psalm 23. It is believed that David wrote Psalm 23 later in his life perhaps when he was on the run from his son Absalom. And if that's the case, these words of David are written from a very dark and a very difficult place. And if we consider that he wrote these words late in life, it would be important for us to understand today that David writes these verses from a full resume. Let me remind you this morning of the resume of David. David, the young shepherd who fought off a lion and a bear to protect his flock. David, the last of his clan, identified by God and anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. David, The teenager who, upon hearing the taunts of Goliath, asks the question, who dares challenge the Lord God and then has the courage to stand up to him with one smooth stone and a rugged slingshot? David, the experienced musician who is hired by King Saul to soothe his soul while he dodges Saul's arrows. David, a man on the run, hiding in caves, resisting the temptation to take out his enemy who happens to be his king. David, who offers undignified and unashamed praise unto God by dancing in celebration as the ark is returned to the city named after him. David, on one hand a courageous and mighty warrior, on another the tempted thief stealing away another man's wife for his own pleasure and then masterminding a murderous plot. David, a man who experienced great sorrow at the loss of one son and even more grief at the misery of the rebellion of another. This is the author of Psalm 23. A king on the run. A man whose resume... listen is filled with the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It's in this moment that David reaches way back into his past, into his time as a young shepherd, and pins these words that inspire joy and hope and reflection in us. Out of these experiences, David introduces this psalm with five words that we're going to camp out on this morning. The first five words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's say that together today. The Lord is my shepherd. Now let me note. I always like to give credit when I use people's material. That a lot of what I'm going to use today comes from a book called The Lord is My Shepherd by Robert Morgan. So here's what David identifies first. The Lord is my shepherd. Immediately, David identifies the who that this psalm is going to be all about. The actual word David used in Psalm 23 is the word Yahweh, the proper and personal name of God as he made himself known to the Hebrew nation. To the Hebrews, this name actually was too sacred to speak. So they substituted the name Adonai, which means Lord. English translations and what you'll find in your Bible in the Old Testament, especially when this word Yahweh or Adonai is there, you'll see it in small caps, L-O-R-D. The German theologians used the consonants and vowels that they saw in this word and came up with the word Jehovah. Many older books that talk about Psalm 23 use the term jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord is my shepherd. Well, whether you say the Lord or Jehovah or Adonai or Yahweh, the first two words of Psalm 23 refer to a God who says this about himself. I am who I am. I am God Almighty, unchangeable and unchanging. I am self-sustaining and self-existent. I am the creator, not the created. I was, and I am, and I will be from everlasting to everlasting. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Amen? Amen? A few minutes ago, I noted how often we hear Psalm 23 in different places, especially by people who aren't really religious at all, and it's used in different Songs or movies or TV shows, but what might be more concerning is how we as Christians can so carelessly use the name of God. How often do we use God's name irresponsibly and nonchalantly as an expression? People say, God, or oh God, or Jesus Christ, or my Lord. Should we really use the name of God in an expression? Aren't there so many other words out there that we could use? Oh, pastor, but I'm not referring to God. But I'd say to you, like I said a moment ago, in the Old Testament, the Hebrews felt that the name of God was so sacred that they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even pronounce it. They come up with a different word in order to communicate what they meant when they said the word God. Not only should we consider how we maybe use that name carelessly, but we should also consider how we fail to slow down and contemplate the weight and the meaning of the name of God. And this is what David does in Psalm 23 verse 1. He's running for his life from his own son Absalom and as he slows down to write these words, he finds peace and comfort in that great name, Yahweh, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. In his book, The Lord is my shepherd, Robert Morgan said this. Look at this. Properly thinking about Yahweh expands our minds. It humbles our hearts. Balances our thoughts. Clarifies our perspectives, reassures our spirits, and strengthens our souls. As we rightly think about God, everything else assumes proper proportions. But when I read that yesterday, I thought, how often do we live in opposite places of that description? We live unbalanced, we live confused disheartened, foggy, desperate, and weak? How do we get in those places? How do we who even know the Lord find ourselves in those spots? Perhaps we spend too much time contemplating our finances, too much time thinking about our projects, too much time thinking about our family situations and our problems and our distress And we obsess over stressful things. And then to forget about the stressful things, we pursue an array of diversions that will never find us peace. Because we never stop and park on those two opening words, the Lord. But when we learn to consciously practice the presence of God, meditating on his word and contemplating his attributes, it has a remarkable effect on our brains, our perspective, and our personalities. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter four. He said, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whateverable is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's that next word, church? Think. Think about such things. How long has it been since you stopped and just thought about the Lord? The Lord God who is right, who is pure, who is lovely, who is admirable, who is trustworthy, who is praiseworthy. In his introduction to his letter to Timothy, Paul described the Lord in this way. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the, what somebody, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever in those two words the lord we find a god of justice who's always fair a god of love who's always faithful an omnipresent god who's always there an omniscient god who's all powerful an omnipotent god who's all powerful an omniscient god who's all knowing An eternal God who's always existing. A God of resurrection who's always alive. David talks about the exact God that we need. The Lord God Almighty, Jehovah Roha, Adonai, the Lord God, my shepherd. This title, Adonai, later became known as the Greek God word, among the New Testament writers to describe the nature of Jesus. That's why Paul frequently, when he writes, he talks about the God, God, the Father, and the Lord, Jesus Christ. Now watch this. In the original language of the New Testament, Jesus Christ is Adonai Yeshua. Look at this. Adonai is a positional title which means Lord. When we say Lord Jesus, we're saying his position is Lord. And when you say Yeshua, that's the personal name of Jesus, meaning the Lord saves. The Hebrew version was Yeshua, translated for us in English, it is Jesus. But consider this, Psalm 23 actually is not messianic. Psalm 23 is not a a prophecy predicting that Jesus is coming to be the Messiah. He's not, David's not talking about or looking to Jesus. However, it is clear in John 10 by his own testimony that Adonai Yeshua stepped into the shepherd's role as described in Psalm 23 and claimed it for himself. He wrapped himself in the verses of Psalm 23, just like a shepherd would put on a cloak. Jesus became the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah-roha in Psalm 23 personified when he said in John 10, the thief comes only to steal And kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Therefore, we can say with full biblical accuracy that Yeshua is my shepherd. The book of Hebrews calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep Peter told his readers, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So when we say those two words, the Lord is my shepherd, we recognize today, and you think about, that the biggest names in all of Scripture, David, John, Peter, Paul, All point us to the Lord God as shepherd and the Lord Jesus as the good shepherd. He is the Lord who created the heavens and the earth, and the same who intimately and carefully cares for his flock. He is the Lord who governs with complete authority and is the same who came both as the good shepherd and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the shepherd of your soul. That's the shepherd of my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. Those are only the first two words of Psalm 23. Let's go to the next word. The Lord is. Pastor, we're gonna talk about is. You gonna pull something out of is? Absolutely. One syllable, two letters, a double meaning with enormous significance. Watch this. First, the word is suggests existence. If something is, it exists. God exists. He is, the Lord is, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus would say in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, amen? So that word is doesn't just suggest existence, it, the second implication of this verb is immediacy. Oh, I love this, because... David does not say the Lord was my shepherd or the Lord will be my shepherd. He is my shepherd right now, presently in this moment. Psalm 23.1 is written in the present tense. It's not prophecy. It's not waiting fulfillment. It's not a prediction. It's a fact. It implies that God is doing something presently right now. And our Lord is a shepherd whose presence is instant, immediate, and accessible. Every day, every hour, every moment. Listen to these is testimonies all throughout Scripture. In Genesis 28, Jacob says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Miriam in Exodus 15 says, the Lord is my strength and my song. Moses in Deuteronomy 33 says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms. Psalm 27, David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 46, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God is faithful. God is stronger. God is holy. In Romans 8, God is for us. In 2 Corinthians, God is able. And John quotes Jesus in John 8 when Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. And John quotes all throughout his book when Jesus says stuff like, I am presently the bread of life. I am presently the light of the world. I am here and I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. The Lord is implies his existence and his immediacy is right now. Amen. The Lord is. The next word, the Lord is my. Somebody say my. my. Somebody touch your chest like that and say my. my. The Lord is my shepherd. Notice David does not say, the Lord is the shepherd of the world. The Lord's everybody's shepherd, y'all. The Lord's the shepherd of multitudes of flocks. Rather, he says, the Lord is my shepherd it's almost opposite of what we teach our children. Because we all know, all of us who are parents and grandparents know that children have that natural ability to say what, mine. You know, we have to teach our kids from a young age to share their what? To share their toys, to share their stuff, to share their food. I still don't like to share my food, come on, you know? But we tell people, we tell our kids, you know, share, right? It's not just yours. Let somebody else play with that. It might be yours, but let somebody else have a turn at that. It's not just yours. But when David says the Lord is my, somebody say my. My. He doesn't, and he isn't suggesting this selfish, narcissistic, or prejudiced attitude, but rather, listen, a present, possessive, and personal approach As we declare, the Lord is my shepherd. Now watch this. First of all, David's words are in the present tense. Kind of goes along with what we just said with the word is. So presently, the Lord is my. So that applies not just for David, but for all of us as believers, that even now we are under the pastoral care of Jehovah Roha, the Lord my shepherd. Amen? Amen. David's words are not just present, they are present possessive. The Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. I I possess him and he possesses me. I wonder how you would fill in that blank if it was on a sheet of paper. How would you fill in the blank? The Lord is my blank. What would you write in that blank? Because see, when the Lord is your shepherd, he's all you need. Whatever you need, he can fulfill it. Not all that you want. We'll get into that next week but all that you need, material needs, relationship needs, spiritual needs. When you put God first, he takes care of the rest. Amen, somebody? So the implications of the word my are not only present and not only possessive, but they are personal. You ready to have your mind blown this morning by how personal this verse is? Watch this, okay? We're going to put this on the screen, and we're going to read this again together, verses 1 through 5. And what I want you to do is read the highlighted, underlined words, and notice the possessiveness, the presentness, and the personalness, is that a word? If If it's not, I just made it up, of this passage. Watch this, here we go. The Lord is shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. If he is a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. Can anybody say that today? I, I may not know what everybody else is doing. It, it may just, just fog my mind to see the craziness going on around everybody else and everybody else running after everything else. But, but Spurgeon says, if he's a shepherd to nobody else, he's my shepherd. I'm assured and confident of that today. In his book, The Lord is My Shepherd, Robert Morgan tells the story of two hikers who were in the Welsh mountains who came upon a young shepherd, a young man keeping his sheep. And this this charmed the fellows. Give me that next slide, Jack, just to kind of put us there maybe. And the hikers were charmed by the shepherd and these sheep. And so they began to have a conversation with the shepherd. And the conversation turned to the 23rd Psalm. And one of the men, a a strong believer, looked at that young man and he said, Think of the five fingers on your left hand. Let each finger stand for one word. And you can meditate on Psalm 23 by grasping each finger one at a time With your right hand. Showing him how to do it, the man gripped his thumb and said, That stands for thee. That's an emphatic beginning. Next, your index finger stands for the word Lord. Grasping his index finger, the man told the boy to ponder the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus who loved him. Touching the longest finger, the man said, This finger stands for the word is. The Lord is alive. He's right here with you right now in the present tense. And the fourth finger stands for the fourth word in the verse, my. A wedding ring on the fourth finger, after all, reminds us of the personal and exclusive relationship we have with the one we love. And the little finger, the pinky, stands for shepherd. When you come to the end of your hand or the end of any task or the end of life, you find the shepherd there abiding with you always. The boy who seldom encountered Any type of travelers in that Welsh shepherding community enjoyed the conversation and drank in every word. A few years later, the story goes that the two hikers returned to that area, and they found themselves at a small house and were getting a cup of tea on their journey, and as they sat there, they noticed a picture on the side on a little table, and they realized it was a picture of that shepherd They asked somebody, tell us about this picture. We met this young man a few years ago, and a woman put down her cup. She composed herself, and she said, yes, that was my son. He died last winter in a storm. He fell down a cliff and lay there a long time. Only later did we find him. And in the ensuing stillness, she said, there was something strange about it, though, which we've never understood When we found his body, his right finger, his right hand was grasping the left, the the fourth finger of his left hand. Ah, said one of the men with a soft smile. We can explain that. And they told the mother what happened the previous year, that in gripping his finger, the young boy was reminding himself that the Lord was his shepherd even at life's end it brought him comfort in his hour of need and it was an unspeakable gift to his mother the lord is my shepherd again i want to ask you this morning if you had to fill in that blank the lord is my what would you put in that blank today the lord is my shepherd Here's the last one. David says this. After everything that he's gone through. Give me that next screen, Jack. He's on the run. His extensive resume. After everything that's happened in his life, the ups and the downs. David, in this fifth word of Psalm 23, says... When I look at my life, the highs and the lows, here is how God has interacted with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Think about all the words that David could have put in that blank. There's all kinds of expressions and Descriptions for God that he used in some of his other writings. But at this moment in time, he reaches back to that time as a young man and says, The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for his sheep. He watches over his sheep. He preserves and protects his sheep. He teaches his sheep. He guides and directs his sheep. He disciplines his sheep. He provides for his sheep. He blesses his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. Kevin, if you'll come to the keyboard, we're going to wrap this up this morning. But David will spend the remaining five verses of Psalm 23 unpacking the specifics of what the Lord does for him in the present, the possessive, and as a personal shepherd. In essence, the psalmist is saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. And this is where we're going to go over the next few weeks. Listen to this. I will not lack for peace, for he makes me lie down in green pastures. I will not lack for provision, for he leads me beside still waters. I will not lack for hope and encouragement, for he restores my soul. I will not lack for guidance. For he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I will not lack deliverance in tough times. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not lack companionship for you are with me. I will not lack protection for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. I will not lack provision because you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I will not lack for help and healing in all the events of my life because you anoint my head with oil. I will not lack an abundant life because my cup overflows I will not lack for anything for your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will not lack an eternal heavenly home for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those first five words say a lot, don't they? The Lord. The Lord is the Lord is my the Lord is my shepherd so let me ask you a few questions today as we finish up the Lord who or what are you setting your mind on when you step back into work tomorrow into your life tomorrow who or what Will your mind be set on? Is. He exists. He's present immediately. So, since God is, the Lord is, what is your go to? When life happens, what is your is? What is it that you find yourself stepping to? The Lord is my. Do you know him? Do you experience him in a personal way? Y'all, this is what separates us from every other religious belief system on the planet. God the Father, incarnated into Jesus the Son, puts on flesh like you walk in every day to call us to a personal relationship with Him. God help us if all we have is a personal relationship with the church. We don't have much if that's all we have because these doors are open twice a week for worship. I need a God, I need a shepherd who is mine every minute, every hour, Every moment who is present and mine, and the Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's the tough question for the morning. The blank would probably be better contemplated on the end of these five lines. The Lord is my blank. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is in control of your life. We're gonna break it down over the next few weeks what that shepherd does and how it shows up in our life. But ultimately a shepherd is one who leads. So who's leading your life? Who's guarding your life? Who's providing for you? Who's disciplining you? Who's caring for you? Blank is my shepherd. Who is your shepherd? I want to ask you this question today. What have you put in that blank besides God? I'm fully aware it's 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. So most everybody in the house knows the Lord in some way. But that does not necessarily mean that we have the Lord in the blank as our shepherd. We can polish up, look good, come in, sing, do all the things, but lack having him in that place. Who have you put? Christian man, woman, teenager, young adult. You've served the Lord much of your life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but it could be that the shepherd that the Lord is not the shepherd of your life. Is your money your shepherd? Is your job your shepherd is your family your shepherd well pastor I'm supposed to put my family first no family is third God your spouse and your kids I see so many Christian families who get this wrong they put their kids above everything else blank is my shepherd My country is my shepherd. My politics is my shepherd. My president, my former president was my shepherd. Oh, he went there? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna go a little bit more today. Because there's a lot of disheartened, lost Christians in this country who put their trust in a man who is now gone and not At the top. And there's a lot of people who are looking around saying, What do we do? I've lost my leader. I saw a. I'm going to let these folks get in place because I don't want anybody to miss this. Listen. I'm not here to take a position today on what happened in the riots back in early January. But I saw something that disturbed me greatly as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus. And that was people in that crowd carrying flags that said, Jesus, that said, sorry, Trump is my president and Jesus is my savior. There's just something messed up about that in my spirit. Because those two things shouldn't go in the same sentence. That says that I've put trust in a man who now is no longer there, who no longer has a platform, whose social media won't even give him a voice. Leaders come and they go. And when we put our trust in them, we will find ourselves lost and full of worry and doubt and fear. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm afraid there's been too many Christians in this nation over the last four years who would say, Donald Trump is my shepherd. What are you going to do now? Your shepherd's in Florida with his feet kicked back, enjoying his millions as he should be. They come and they go, are y'all okay? Y'all mad? That's okay if you're mad. Because if I don't make you mad sometimes, I'm not doing my job. A shepherd sometimes has to get the rod out and bop the sheep on the head sometimes. So nobody in this room may have a flag that says, Trump is my president and Jesus is my savior. If you do, please throw that away in the name of Jesus, throw that whole garbage away. Does this make sense? Am I saying we don't need to support politics? No, am I saying we shouldn't vote? No, but I am saying that I think what maybe has happened over the last few months For a lot of believers and a lot of Christians and some in the church, we've realized we've had the wrong shepherd in place. What have you put in that blank instead of God? My relationships with other people is my shepherd. See, you see this a lot. People who put their spouse or their boyfriend or their girlfriend, or their sex drive is their shepherd. Oh, y'all are going everywhere today, Pastor, yeah. Because we need to stop and consider today, what have we put in place? Because here's what we're gonna see over the next few weeks. All the things that follow in this verse, they don't happen if we don't have the right God in place as shepherd. So when politics, family, relationships, job, money, all become God, then Adonai, Yeshua, Jehovah cannot be my shepherd because I put somebody else in his place. Does that make sense? If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and it doesn't depend on who's in the White House. And it doesn't depend on what's in the bank account. It doesn't depend on if things are going great or not. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He takes care of the rest. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's stand together this morning. As we bow our heads this morning all over the room, I'm going to ask that Nobody look around and we just, we just think for a moment. We just laid down some pretty heavy things this morning and, and I want you to stop and think today about what we've talked about. Is there anything in your life that you've put in position in the place where God should be as your shepherd, where the Lord should be as your shepherd. What have you put in that blank instead of God? What are you looking to? What is your trust in? What are you pursuing instead of Him? Because the blessings and the benefits of Jehovah as your shepherd, they don't come if we don't have things in the proper place. So this morning as we pray, I'm going to ask you in this moment not to wait until you get home or wait till you think about later in the week because you might forget. But in this moment, confess, Lord, I, I have sinned. I have put other people or personalities or things or financial things or personal drives or personal ambition in place of you. Father, right now, I ask you this morning that your Holy Spirit would move in this room. That you would bring conviction in this room. Lord, if there's anything in our lives today that we have placed in place of you, that Father, you would call us today to it. That your Holy Spirit would convict us today of it. And we would repent of the things that we've put before you oh God Lord may our hearts be sorrowful for any way that we've replaced you with something else or someone else or any ideology or thought process that is going to pass away you said heaven and earth will pass away but your words will not so Lord may that be deep in our spirits today you just speak to him right now in your own way in this moment there's a sin you need to confess there's something you need to change in your life to put in front of him that you've put in front of him would you do that in this moment as we continue to pray today I want to close with this with this encouraging word to you whatever you're going through today whatever your challenges today whatever it is that you're facing when you put him in the right place the Lord will be your shepherd he will walk with you in and out of every situation of life and you will be aware of His presence. Today, if you'd say, Pastor, I'm not there. I needed that reminder today that the Lord is my shepherd, that He is personal, that He is near. I wanna pray for you this morning. God, you know in this room, Lord, every situation and every person, Lord, who's here God, who needs to take you as their personal shepherd. And God, may you remind them today, God, that you are a personal, present God. Not alone. That you are faithful to them. And that, God, you will never leave them or forsake them. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this chorus together in response to what the Lord is saying to us today. Declaring this over our lives that we are not alone. Come on, will you sing this today before we go? Declaring it today that He is your shepherd. I am not alone. Come on church, sing it. Say it again. Hallelujah, I am not alone. Come on, church, say it. Hallelujah, I am not alone. Oh, remind us of that today, God, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're facing today, God. He's my comfort, always me Yes, yes. Let's sing that second verse he always he always guides me oh yes through mountains and valleys his joy is refreshing restores my Yeah. go today, Lord, may we leave this room with the reminder in our hearts of what we've heard today. Lord, as we go through this week, Lord, I pray that this word would come back up. May you remind us of it. May we sense your presence in and out of every situation of life. And God, if there are things that we've put before you in the place where you should be, Lord, open our eyes this week to see that. And we thank you and praise you for the power and the effectiveness and the transformation of your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being in worship today. We will hope to see you back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night.